This morning we begin a new series uh, in our worship series together through the book of Proverbs and even into Ecclesiastes a little um, as we will be talking about pearls of wisdom, uh, those things that we find uh, in, in the words of Proverbs. I know for those who have been uh, reading along in the Bible here, uh, when you usually open up to the middle of your Bible, uh, it's in Psalms, which means that like we're over the hump. Uh, when it, now, not technically, there's more days to go than what we've finished. Um, but some of you who just got reading all of 150 Psalms in a row, God bless you. Uh, and, and we are continuing on the way. And I'm just saying, if you could stick with it through July and August, you're going to make it. Um, but when we hit the prophets, it's going to be super fun. Uh, and um, so anyway, I, I encourage you to, to, to stick with it if you want to join us. Um, and hop in along the, in, in the Bible year anytime. I know Joshua has joined us over the past two weeks. Uh, got to start in the middle of Psalms, but hopefully he continues on even during past this time here. Um, I'll check up on him in a couple months and see how he's doing in his Bible reading. So I um, encourage you to join us as we're reading through Scripture together. So we begin today in, in this series in Proverbs in chapter 3. My son, don't forget my instructions. Let your heart guard my commands because they will help you live a long time and provide you with well-being. Don't let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Bind them on your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and approval in the eyes of God and humanity. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own intelligence. Know him in all your paths and he will keep your ways straight. Don't consider yourself wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then your body will be healthy and your bones strengthened. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will burst with wine. Don't reject the instruction of the Lord, my son. Don't despise his correction. The Lord loves those he corrects, just like a father who treats his son with favor. Friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I want to talk for a moment just about how to understand the book of Proverbs when we read these words. Proverbs begins in in, in its first chapter in verse 7. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Those words tend to guide the entirety of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs seems to be about how do we gain wisdom and somehow incorporating this idea about the fear of the Lord or walking in the way of the Lord, walking in God's ways. And in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is not just something that's kind of out there that we can seek after. Wisdom is actually an attribute of God's very self. Wisdom was there, it says, when God spoke the word of creation. In fact, oftentimes Jesus is compared to or is wisdom uh, throughout, throughout Christian theology. And so we have this sense that wisdom is something both that is um, the way that God works in the world and also something that we can tap into as human beings. So Proverbs, then, are practical skills for living well in God's world. Proverbs, however, 
they're, they're maxims. It's, it's, it's almost like when you read uh, a fortune cookie or something like that, right? When you get to the, to the meat of Proverbs. But Proverbs are, are probabilities. They, they tend to say, when you do well, when you act well, when you follow what God wants, then your life will go in this way. It will go well, right? But Proverbs are not guarantees or promises that life will go that way. And that way, they're a little bit different than when we read the law or something like that. Because what we know is that life doesn't always go well, even when you do right. And sometimes life goes well for people who aren't doing right at all. And so Proverbs are not, they're not guarantees or promises. They are probabilities. And in that vein, they, they are part of the wisdom literature in Scripture. The wisdom books especially are Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job, right? And if Proverbs tell you how life is supposed to go uh, when you trust God or when, when you rely upon God or are faithful, Job and Ecclesiastes kind of guarantee that life won't go well and what do you do when it doesn't? So that, that's the vein that those ones run in. And so we kind of need the whole of the wisdom literature in order to see this vantage point from God. Proverbs can be contradictory or seem contradictory to us. In fact, sometimes there will be one proverb that follows another and they seem to be saying the exact opposite thing. And I think that happens because life is complex. A wise person knows when to apply which proverb to a given situation. We have proverbs in our culture that aren't even ones that are from scripture, but they're things that we recognize, right? Here's one. We'd say, look before you leap, right? Meaning like, Take stock of the situation, be pragmatic before you just hop into something. But then another one is, he who hesitates is lost, right? So which one, which one do you follow, right? And it's, it's it kind of depends on the situation, where you apply it and, and how that works, right? Another one, right? If at first you don't succeed, try, try again, right? That's what we tell our kids all the time, right? They learn how to fail, and we say, well, pick yourself up and do it again, right? Especially when they're riding a bike or they won't get on the bike again. But anyway, and so, 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 you, so we say, if first you don't succeed, try, try again. But another one is don't beat, your, don't beat your head against a stone wall, right? So which one is it, right? Wisdom, then, is a fitting Word. It's knowing when to apply which of the Proverbs. Wisdom that is presented in Proverbs flows with the grain of the universe, saying that, you know what, overall, uh, if, if, if you think along the lines of God's commands and follow life in that way, that the Proverbs, then, then overall life will go well, right? But it's not a promise that it always will. What is fascinating when we read Proverbs, we don't know much about the historical context of Proverbs. We can't tell it was written in these years, right? We can't say it was when it was compiled or anything like that. We have very little about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the descriptors that we've had so far in the Old Testament. But they speak a great deal of truth to us that still applies today. Some wisdom, some pearls of wisdom that we can apply in our lives. So in today's reading, you might have noticed some familiar words at the center of the text. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are some of the most quoted words of the whole Bible, and for good reason, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own intelligence. Know him in all your paths, and he will keep your ways straight. 
I'm sure we all have learned it in different variations, right? Trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will keep your path straight. Something along those lines. Trust in the Lord, the psalmist begins. We all trust in something. In this case, trust in the Lord is contrasted with trusting in ourselves. It is trusting in the Lord versus our own self-reliance. Self-reliance meaning trusting in our own insight, our own power, our own wealth. See, the problem when we trust ourselves, the writer of Proverbs wants to get to, is that we don't understand and know our own human limitations. Fearing the Lord means recognizing that we are not all wise and all knowing beings. But we know and can tap into the one who is. The challenge for me in this passage is not the idea of trust. It's this idea of trusting in the Lord with all your heart. What I've found in my life is that I'm good at giving God like a really good chunk of my heart. But there is always a little part I want to hold back. When I was a teenager, I wanted to hold my love life back from God. Right? I, I did not want to trust God with that aspect of my life. It felt like he was trying to meddle or something. Like I was going to do what I want to do. As an adult with a career, I want to hold part of my finances back from God. I don't want to trust God with all of that. God, what does God know? What does God know about retirement planning in 2022? Right? And so, and, and why? Because if I trust God with everything in my life, God will mess up my plans. Those plans I made with my own intelligence or by leaning on my own understanding, I know from experience, from scripture, that God's going to mess them up. And so I don't want to give him my whole heart. I just want to give him, I want to give him a good old chunk of it and say, see, you get that, God. Isn't that enough for you? But here's the promise when we trust. He says that he will keep your ways straight. Straight literally refers here to the to the hill being made level or flat. But it also doesn't mean that a life is free of difficulties. We don't trust God so that we have some sort of hakuna matata, no worries type of life. Commentator Raymond Van Leeuwen writes that straight paths mean that a person's life has a clear direction and goal that a Godward person will attain. He says a divine and human synergy occurs when humans are in tune with God and with God's purposes. Hear that. A divine and human synergy occurs when humans are in tune with God and with God's purposes. When we are in tune with God, there is a blessed resting that occurs in life. This is what trusting in God results in, right? Not, not a promise that life is just peachy, that everything is easy, but there is a, a certain way to rest in to who God is. The writer of Proverbs knows this isn't easy. So in this very speech in Proverbs, one of 10 in the first 10 chapters that's delivered kind of from a father to a son, passing on some wisdom, passing on some knowledge, he begins with this basis of trust. My son, don't forget my instructions. Let your heart guard my commands because they will help you live a long time and provide you with well-being. Then he says, don't let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Don't let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Loyalty and faithfulness are really just two descriptors of trust. When I think about loyalty, I think about being stuck with someone. 
I picture my kids when they're with their uncle, who they adore, running back for more silliness and more tickles and never letting him, for the entire time he is with us, talk to a grown-up for more than three seconds at a time. That's loyalty that my children show to their uncle. When I think about faithfulness, I think about consistency and steadfastness. When I was visiting a member of ours this week, she shared how every single morning her husband sits when they have their coffee and reads to her the upper room reading for the morning. Every single morning. I think about that prayer. It's part of the morning prayer series. It says, new every morning is your love, great God of light. And all day long you are working for good in the world. That's faithfulness. When we exemplify loyalty and faithfulness, we are mirroring the very character of God. And what we are to be loyal to and faithful to is God's commands and instruction. Now hear me, this isn't about us being legalistic. It is about being in tune with God's desire for the world. So when we let our hearts guard the commands, or when he says when we write them on the tablet of our heart... We are letting God's ways determine our character and our action. And then we are promised the good life in Proverbs. It says, then you will find favor and approval in the eyes of God and humanity. Favor before God and the community. Trusting in God and God's ways leads to God's favor and the respect of others. Well, that sounds pretty convincing. But then the author gets into some meddling in our lives. Because after he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, he will keep your path straight. He says this, don't consider yourself wise. Don't consider yourself wise, we're instructed. Self-importance and self-reliance are once again painted as the opposite of trusting in God. And he continues to describe how you might live out this trust in God by exemplifying what we do with our money. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first of all your crops. Now he's moving into meddling. The proverb instructs us to give to God our first fruits. This was the command of the law. This is where the concept of the tithe comes from, to give God the very first and the best. And here we are given the logic of God's economy. When we trust God with even our finances, God will bless us with plenty, with more than enough. It says, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will burst with wine. Now, just in case we hear this in a way that sounds like a prosperity preacher, like I'm up here saying, give to God and God will surely bless you, multiplying your gift tenfold. Or if you put enough in these plates today, Pastor Kevin can go buy a jet. Wouldn't that be a blessing to God, right? That's not what I'm saying, okay? Because we hear a warning right after this that almost contradicts what we've just heard in Proverbs. Because he says, the Lord loves those he corrects, just like a father who treats his son with favor. In other words, sometimes the faithful person experiences the Lord's discipline, correction, even suffering. Life is not always roses, the Proverbs promise, even when you trust in God. So I think the general rule of life that we see here in Proverbs 3 is this. Trust in the Lord and life will go well for you. And the secondary wisdom in it is this. Sometimes life won't go as you expect it when you trust 
but God loves you in the midst of it, right? So there's, there's two levels here. Overall, your life will go well when you trust God, and sometimes it doesn't, right? The, he almost gives himself an out, a caveat in the very proverb. In the transition times of life is when I find that I need wisdom most. Those times where we are discerning major steps to take in life. In those transition times, I encourage you to look for how you can trust God with your whole heart. Some of you are thinking about what college to go to. Some of you are contemplating a career move or change. Some of you are considering whether it's time to marry or to have children. Some of you are debating taking on a new ministry. Some of you have to make difficult decisions about aging parents. Some of you are figuring out how to spend time in your retirement. Here is what I've found to be true. The greatest times that I've seen God work in my life are when I trusted God over and sometimes against my own guidance. A trusted mentor asked me multiple times in high school if I really wanted to go and work for the church and be in ministry, or if I would go and do something that actually mattered, like politics. I was unsure when I graduated college where I would attend divinity school that fall. I didn't know the day I graduated. Other choices made a lot more sense financially to me. And yet I sensed God's spirit leading me to this place called Duke in North Carolina. It's where I sensed God's presence. After toiling over which denomination to be a part of, my wife and I jumped headlong into the United Methodist Church. We did that 12 years ago, and here's where I am today. The hardest part of trusting God in these times is the initial step. It is getting over the fear or the pragmatic voice in our heads that says, no, go the way of your own understanding. Go the way of your own wisdom. But friends, faith, which is just another word for trust, requires risk. It requires risk. And I promise you this, the greatest times that you will see God work in your life are when you trust God over and sometimes against your own guidance. This is the beginning of wisdom. Thanks be to God. Amen.